You're listening to the North American Francophone Podcast, hosted in English by Claire-Marie Brisson and proudly recorded in Charlottesville, Virginia. To start our episode today, I'd like to bring two authors to the table who very likely did not meet one another, and the main reason why I say that is because they were born 113 years apart, but these two authors are Jacques Derrida and Victor Séjour. Now, the reason why I'm bringing a semiotician, a philosopher, and an author together at the same table is because they lived similar experiences at completely different times. Jacques Derrida is a name that you may recognize if you've taken any literary theory course or have gone through the university and had to write a paper using deconstruction theory. He's a little bit of a scary name, a very heavy name if you're in any literary studies, but he's somebody that grew up in a Jewish family in colonial Algeria. He was born there in 1930. And he's known above all for being a person who broke paradigms in the field of literary studies. So if you haven't read him, I recommend sitting down, taking a step back, and trying to read through either in French or in English. It is heavy reading, but it is important as well. It can help you to break down some stereotypes and to reimagine the way texts are written. And when he was reimagining the way that texts were written, he actually participated at a conference in Louisiana in 1992. And the main reason why I'm thinking about Jacques Derrida, Louisiana, and pairing him with Victor Séjour is because our other author sitting across from us at the table, Victor Séjour, grew up in Louisiana, but had a different transnational and transatlantic journey from Louisiana to Paris, which is where Jacques Derrida would eventually end up after he left Algeria. These two authors, Jacques Derrida and Victor Séjour, provide revealing details of their times, even though Séjour, being born in 1817, didn't experience the same time frame as Derrida. And I'm going to start off with Derrida because this podcast episode's focus is really on Victor Séjour. Derrida was somebody who, as I've mentioned, tried to analyze the way texts are structured, the way that words play with one another, the way that symbols can be representative of people, of places, of ideas, and have multiple layers to them. When Derrida came to Louisiana State University in 1992, he was invited by the sponsors and hosts of this conference, David Wills, who's a post-colonialist, and by Édouard Glissant, who wrote Introduction à une poétique du divers, which can more or less be translated into English as Introduction to a Poetics of the Diverse. As someone who grew up in Martinique himself, he saw the North American experience and the Caribbean experience to be essentially connected and also to be a product of creolisation, of creolization, of connections, of layers, of languages, of cultures. And oftentimes these would be in resistance to one another, but oftentimes they were also complementary to one another. The Creole reality is that there were very hard and negative experiences. For example, les expériences de l'esclavage, l'oppression, so of slavery, of oppression. But then on the other side of this, there is movement, there is interaction. And so what Glissant sees is the positive side, the interactive side, the possibility to have creolisation of connections where there were no connections before, of 
overlaps where overlaps didn't exist before. And this is something that he highlights with the Caribbean. He says that the Caribbean is not just a place of transit and of passages, but c'est aussi une mer de rencontres et d'implications a sea of meetings and of implications. And I think that's exactly what he wanted to create at Louisiana State University, inviting Jacques Derrida. When he invited Jacques Derrida, Édouard Glissant was playing with a question that he himself had when thinking about his own identity and thinking about how to write. His question was written, Comment être soi sans se fermer à l'autre et... Comment s'ouvrir à l'autre sans se perdre soi-même? How do you be yourself without closing yourself to the other? And how do you open yourself to the other without losing yourself? It's a difficult and very philosophical question, but it's something we should keep in mind as we move towards learning about Victor Sejour's text. It's an idea that opening ourselves to other perspectives can be daunting and difficult. And the idea that we are writing is another layer of difficulty. How do we perceive and how do we represent our own perspectives? And at the same time, how do we share across these differences across our cultures? From Derrida's view of things, he's seeing cultures and differences not just as an asset, but also as a difference, as something we need to recognize can be different, is different, and how that weighs on a person. And during the conference at Louisiana State University, he gives a talk that eventually becomes a book. It's called Le Monolinguisme de l'autre, The Monolingualism of the Other. Now, just reflecting on the title alone, we can say, oh yeah, monolingualism of the other. Maybe if you're in a situation where you don't speak the language of the majority, you feel very different. You feel separated. And I think this is true for Derrida's own experience. He grew up, again, as I mentioned, in colonial Algeria. So he grew up in a place that officially spoke French, but on the street, there were communities of people who spoke Arabic, who maybe spoke other languages that were regional dialects. And for Jacques Derrida, being a Jewish Algerian, he was speaking Yiddish at home. He was also speaking French at home. But once he entered school, he was speaking French officially with his colleagues and friends who were speaking Arabic at home. This is a very different environment for Derrida. He thinks about all of the layers that made up colonial Algeria. And once he moved to Paris, after he left Algeria, he noticed another layer of not being accepted. So when he talks about language, Derrida says, Dans la langue, il n'y a que des différences. In language, there is nothing but difference. I want you to keep that in mind when we start talking about Victor Sejour's text. There is nothing but difference within language. Now, I'm not just talking about different languages. We know that there are foreign languages, but we can see how different perspectives come to play in languages. On the one hand, when you're not comfortable speaking another language, maybe a foreign language that you learned in university, or maybe your second or third language, you feel a little bit of discomfort. In fact, Derrida says that identity comes about when we realize that we're different from other people, that we have to define ourselves as other. 
When he mentions his own experience in this speech, he says that when he was speaking French in France, he had to change the way that he acted. He felt different. He realized that he had to hide who he was and speak with une pureté qui n'est pas très pure, a purity which is not very pure. The fact of the matter is, Derrida's own experience highlights the créolisation d'une totalité terre, of a creolization that exists across the world that Glissant also mentions in his text. A final point that I'd like to make about Derrida before we go and speak about Victor Séjour's life and works is the idea of a maternal language. When we think about Derrida, for example, he spoke multiple languages, and it's very difficult to say which one can truly be called his mother tongue. He even says, Oui, je n'ai qu'une langue, or ce n'est pas la mienne. Yeah, I only speak one language, but it's really not mine. He's saying he speaks a foreign language, but it's something that is shared by society. It's something that he cannot fully claim as his own, and it's something that more or less has an imprint of his own identity as an other when he speaks to other French speakers. I imagine this to be the case with Victor Séjour. For those of my listeners who may speak French and may have heard my interview with Radio-Canada Alberta, you may have heard how I described Victor Séjour as the first African-American author to have been published in French. And this is true. But I want to highlight something about Victor Séjour's life as well. Victor Séjour was not speaking an elite form of French, as was seen at the day. He was not speaking in the way that people would have accepted in the higher literary circles, which is unfortunate, but shows the racism and the hierarchy that existed at the time, and unfortunately still does exist in some circles today. Victor Séjour was a Creole person. He spoke with an accent that came from Louisiana and from the mixing of his father, who was a freed slave who was born in Haiti, and from his mother, who was a quadroon. This is somebody who was known to have a quarter of descendants from, quote, African blood and three quarters of descendants from European blood. I mean, hearing that, you can even see the level that society was at this point. It was extremely racist, segregatory, and understood people only for their race, right? This is something that was very commonly accepted. So when we think of Victor Séjour, he's not somebody that is accepted into the mainstream Francophone world. He's accepted as somebody who's different, right? And this is a trésor of the new world once he arrives in France. Victor Séjour would eventually have much more opportunity in France to publish and be read and accepted by society at large, but they were not accepting him as a standard French author. They were accepting him because of his difference, because of what he represented. And although it is wonderful that Victor Séjour's works have been published, we have to also remember that Victor Séjour was more likely than not exoticized when he was living in France. He was spending most of his time with other black authors in Paris and probably was not accepted in the same way as mainstream European French authors were being accepted. However, it's much better at the time to have been in Paris than to have been in Louisiana, even after statehood in 1812. 
But let's take a step back and see where did Louisiana stand at this point? What was Victor Sejour's life? And what was his masterwork that really shows what life in Louisiana was like for a person like Sejour or maybe even his parents? If we think about New Orleans at this time, New Orleans was a cauldron. It was at one point a part of the French Empire. It eventually turns and becomes part of the United States after the Louisiana Purchase. It's a thriving community. It's a community that has multiple cultural layers. It has multiple languages being spoken, multiple variants of French being spoken. And it's a place where people are doing trade, where illicit activities are happening, and where a lot of activity is going on in the port. When we think about Victor Sejour's family, they actually had the opportunity to open a store, which is the reason why Victor Sejour was able to go to school. His parents, François Marcoux and Eloisa Philippe Ferrand, became fairly rich with their store, which was very nicely situated in the Vieux Carré of New Orleans. Because of their financial affluence, his parents suggested very strongly that he continue his studies in Paris, which was something that was done primarily by the wealthy and those who wanted an opportunity beyond what the United States had to offer for somebody who was a person of color. And so Victor Sejour, at 19 years old, makes the transatlantic trip to Paris and starts studying there. When he goes to Paris, he meets somebody named Cyril Bessit, who was the editor of something known as La Revue des Colonies, or the Journal of the Colonies, which was principally composed of black authors whose main goal was to talk about abolitionist movements and working towards getting rid of slavery in the colonies or in the areas that were not part of the hexagon, not part of France. He found his voice there, and because of his interactions with Cyril Bissit, he wrote his first short story, which is called Le Mulatre. In English, the title is The Mulatto. It's written in French and was published in this review in 1837. As I mentioned earlier, this work is the first known work of African-American literature that was published it was published in French and in Paris, which also shows the level that African-Americans had to struggle to be published in their own home country. Now, when I mentioned that it's the first African-American piece of fiction published, it really wasn't known in the United States until the 90s, when it was translated for the first time into English and added into an African-American literature anthology published in 1995. Now, many of you, your eyebrows may have shot up. This is very surprising. But remember, African-American studies in North America are a newer field. This was something that was not accepted for generations as American history. It was considered to be sort of in the margins of history. I can even remember as a student myself in the American school system, African-American stories and history would always be put into the margins. And there would be one or two stories per chapter in my history book, but it was never integrated into the other stories about what American history was. So if we think about American literature, African-American literature has been extremely neglected in studies at the university, but also throughout schooling. 
So it is extremely unfortunate that we only have started talking about this in the past 20 or so years, but I'm very glad that we have because this work really shows a time capsule of what was going on and what somebody who was pro-abolition wanted to share with the world and specifically the French-speaking world. Just so I don't spoil the work too much in case you want to read it on your own, it's very easy to find in French and in English in PDF form all over the internet and in your library. I'm sure your library resources will also have access to this. But this story is a short story about slavery, which happened in Saint-Domingue, which is the name for Haiti before the Haitian Revolution. And what happens in this is there are two narrators. There is a principal narrator, which is a person who is unnamed. He is a white narrator. And there's a second narrator who talks about social consciousness and slavery. And the second narrator, who is the person who really speaks, does have a name, and he's a black slave. His name is Antoine. For those of you interested in reading this piece of literature, I just want to give you a little bit of caution before you do read it. You have to be in the right mindset to read this piece of literature. It is heavy. It talks about difficult themes. It talks about slavery. It talks about oppression, rape, murder. It talks about suicide. It is something that, even though it was written in 1837, the themes are very modern, they're contemporary, and they're difficult. So I, I want to mention that as well. Please read this when you're in a frame of mind to read a heavy and difficult piece of literature. But all of that being said, I highly recommend this work. It's short enough. You can read it easily. And also, it's something that allows you to see through the eyes of somebody that knew people who had gone through extreme struggle and oppression. I might remind you that Victor Sejour's own father was a Haitian slave, and that maybe some of these stories were not so far-fetched. They might have been things that Sejour had heard at home.